Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Stand with me this morning. So good to see you on a rainy, rainy Sunday, the first day of August. That's all right with me. How about you? I'll tell you what, I feel like I've been to church already. I feel like I've had a workout. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, we are so grateful for the many blessings you give each and every one of us. Let your word come alive in our lips and in our hearts. God, we pray today that you would move among us and through us and let your word accomplish what you send it to do. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Turn to your neighbors. I'm glad you're here today. Well, if you've been with us for the last three weeks, we've been on a series, One Kingdom, Many Keys. We began the first Sunday with the key of faith. How many of you know faith is a key? Without faith, it's impossible to please God, and God has given us faith. And uh, Daryl over here to my left, he, he shared with me as I left the, the pulpit after I preached that first sermon, he said, Pastor, let me tell you a story, because I said, faith is one of the keys that unlocks other keys in our life. And he said, I was looking for a new truck, and I looked around, and I went to a dealership to find a truck, and there was one I wanted to look at, and he said, the guy at the dealership took a key, went to a wall, there was a big box on the wall, and he put the key in the box, and he turned the key, and he opened the door, and there were all the other keys of all of the vehicles in the lot. It was uh, the lot. It was one key that opened up all the other keys. And I said, I wish you'd have told me that before I preached the message. I could have used that. <laughs> and then if you were here on week two, Pastor Matt talked about the key of authority. Authority is what we submit to and it's what we exercise at the same time. So you, you can't exercise authority unless you submit to authority. It's a key in your life. Then we talked about the key of communication. You have not because you ask not. We have to have that umbilical cord between us and God, between husband and wife, parents and children, because communication is a huge key in everyone's life. So today we want to talk about the law of sowing and reaping, which is a key in your life. Now let me tell you, this is a spiritual law. This is a huge key in every kingdom principle. Now, if you have your Bible, turn with me to Galatians chapter 6. This is 7 through 10. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary in doing good or well-doing, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up or faint. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. So what we have to understand here is this is a principle, this is a key, this is what Paul is teaching to the church in Galatia. I don't know if any of you remember this name, Sir Robert Watson Watt. He was the inventor of the radar. Has anybody ever heard of the radar? We look at the radar for the weather, uh, we have radar for planes, and we also have police officers that have radars. And so this is interesting because this is Sir uh, Robert Watson Watt, inventor of the radar, and he got picked up uh, for speeding in a speeding trap because he was hit by the radar. 
So this is the inventor of the radar who got picked up because of the radar, and this is a poem that he wrote quickly after he was picked up and ticketed. Pity Sir Robert Watson Watt, strange target of his radar plot. And this with others I could mention, a victim of his own invention. <laughs> I love that. So he, he reaped what he sowed, right? So this is a spiritual principle, and it is firm in the universe. Now, I want you to listen to this because... Paul says, God is not mocked. Whatever you sow, you shall also reap. So look at the word mock there. It is the Greek word which is pronounced mukteridzo. It's kind of a weird pronunciation of that. But the definition of this is to turn up your nose, sneer, and make a low bellow. So someone's told you a story or told you an event, and you went, oh, yeah, right. Has anyone ever done that? Or you told them something, and they looked at you, and they kind of turned them, oh, yeah, right. Let me tell you something. I didn't say this in the first service, but I won't tell you. When I was in college, we had a guy that we knew that would always tell you a bigger story than you told them. Does anybody ever know anybody like that? Uh, how many of you are sitting by them, right? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so uh, we, we always kind of noticed that whatever story we told, he would always one-up it. I mean, if you told this, he, he did this. And we begin to make up stories so that he would try to top it. That's cruel, isn't it? But, but it's true, we, we, would, we would make up stories. So if you told that your mother was, uh, you know, the rodeo queen and bulldog cattle or something, he would tell you that his mother wrestled alligators in Louisiana. I mean, it was just this never-ending thing. And you just want to do this mocking thing. Oh, uh, yeah, right. So when God says, whatever you sow, you shall reap, there is a world out there that will mock him and say, oh, yeah, that's right. Now, listen, he said he would not be mocked. This law, this key to this kingdom principle always works to your good or to your bad. Can I hear an amen? There are physical laws in nature. We know that. There's a law of gravity. Uh, most of you have seen, we had a storm the other day, blew part of our tower out. And if you go to the top of that cross, it's about 90 feet. If you were up there and you fell off, you could say, I don't believe in the law of gravity, but you'll believe in the law of gravity when you hit the ground. I mean, it's, it's firm. It's in act. There, there are physical laws. There's the laws of thermodynamics. There's mathematical laws. There are laws of physics. There, there are laws of just, you know, we know if you go to a, a wildlife park, if you go to a safari park, if you have a bag of feet in the car and your window's down, they will stick their head in the car and lick you and eat out of your bag, right? Uh, many years ago, uh, Dad and the family were taking the grandkids to Arbuckle Wilderness, and little Chris was small. She had a bucket of the feed, and I don't know if it's an ostrich or an emu, put their head through the window and got Chris's finger. Wouldn't let it go. She's crying. Dad got the beak and just peeled the beak back. And I don't think that ostrich was ever the same again. <laughs> but did get Chrissy's finger out of it. And, and what, what is interesting, and this actually happened to us. We were over at Arbuckle Wilderness. Our kids were small. And, and this was part of the added entertainment. Never go through one of those places in the convertible. 
So, I mean, there were people, they had the buckets of feed, and every animal had their head sticking through that convertible. And we were back there laughing, and you think, good God, never do that. Never, ever do that. I mean, camels and ostriches and things are licking you. This is not good. I mean, there, there are laws that if we don't watch it, we will transgress that law. I love the story about the guy who went to learn how to skydive, and he had the instructor, and he went through all the things, and all of a sudden now he is uh, doing his solo dive, and he jumps out, he pulls the ripcord, nothing happens, and he knew that he had an auxiliary pack, and so he pulled that parachute cord, nothing happened, so he's in free fall, law of gravity, right? And somewhere along the way, he passes another guy going up, and the other guy going up, passes this guy going down, the guy going down, and says, do you know anything about parachutes? And he said, no. He said, do you know anything about propane stoves? So, you know, you got to watch what you do with them because each one has their own different laws. Can I hear an amen? If you have your Bible, turn with me to Matthew chapter 25. This is a, this is a chapter that the entire chapter is dealing with someone who has made an agreement or a covenant. They're going to go away. There's going to be some time passing, and they're going to come back. So I want to pick it up in verse number 14. For the kingdom of heaven is like. Say that with me. For the kingdom of heaven is like. Now let's all say it because this is very important. For the kingdom of heaven is like. There is one kingdom but many keys. That's what Jesus told Peter. He said, I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom. One kingdom, many keys. So today we're talking about the key of the law of sowing and reaping. So Jesus is saying, this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. There is a man traveling to a far country. He's calling his own servants, delivered them his goods. And to each one he gave five talents to another. Uh, to one he gave five talents to another two, to another one. To each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them, made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received the two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received the five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents besides them. And the Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He also, who had received two talents, came and said, Lord, you delivered me two talents. Look, I've gained two more talents beside them. The Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you've not sown and gathering where you've not scattered seed. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I've not sown and gather where I've not scattered seed. Let me tell you what comes into play in this story. The law of sowing and reaping. It's very important. We have to understand this. Now, talent, most scholars believe, for a common laborer would have been 20 years' wages. 
20 years wages given, you know, five, two, one. So now we have this huge amount of money. So let's break this down. How many of you believe the Bible literally unlocks itself through translation and understanding of what Jesus meant here? So can we do that? If you have a pencil and paper, I want you to just jot this down. Let's unlock what Jesus is saying. Some observations about the kingdom of heaven. Here's number one. The traveling man is the Lord. The traveling man is the Lord. He's telling them what's going to happen, but he's using this story. The traveling man is the Lord. He's going to a far country. How many of you know, not many days after this, Jesus is going to ascend to heaven. So the traveling man is the Lord. He's going to a far country, and he has servants engaged in his business. How many of you know that's you and I? We're engaged in the business of the kingdom. We're engaged in the business of the Lord. So the Lord is going to travel. He's going to be leaving. He's going back to heaven. He has servants or laborers engaged in his business, you and I, and the talents are his goods. They don't belong to them. They're the Lord's. Can I hear an amen? And he is willing to give his goods to us. Boy, that's great, isn't it? So he's giving us his goods, and everyone has different capabilities. Not everyone has the same capabilities. He gives it to them as they are able. Not everybody can do what you can do, and not everybody can do what I can do, and not everybody can do what anybody else can do. You know, if I fill up five gallons full of water, I can carry that. But if I take my little three-year-old granddaughter, Riley, and ask her to carry five gallons of water. How many of you know she can't do that? But I can tell you what she can do. She can spill it all over you. So she has this ability. I may have that ability. But the Lord gave to them as they were able and their own abilities. So the Lord is going to leave. He's going to ascend to heaven. He's going to be there for a while. He's going to give good things to his servants. But when he comes back, he expects us to do something with what he's given us. And that's the whole story right here. Now, the law of sowing and reaping comes into play here. Look at first, uh, verse 26. That's what he says. So if we understand the law of sowing and reaping, Peter uh, begins to talk about this. Jesus talks about this. Paul talks about this. This is 2 Corinthians 9, 6. Whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So the five gained five. Now he has ten. The two gained two. Now he has four. The one who has one did nothing with what he had, and it was not good for him. Can I hear an amen? Now, let me give you just a few things today. If you have a pencil and paper, write these down. Number one, the law of sowing and reaping applies to everybody. The law of sowing and reaping applies to everybody, whether you're a believer or unbeliever. It is a spiritual law. It is a law of the earth. In the beginning, everything began with seed. And everything brought forth after its own kind. So whether it's a good kind or a bad kind, you're going to reap what you sow. We'll talk about that here in a minute. But it becomes a law on this earth and in the kingdom of God. The law of sowing and reaping applies to everyone. And if you are here today and you say, it doesn't apply to me, Paul talked about you. You're the one who's raising your nose and going, oh, yeah, that's right. That's why he said God is not mocked. So I don't care who you are, how rich you are, educated you are, how spiritual you are. If you don't believe that, God will not be mocked. Turn your nose up and say, oh, yeah, that's right. It still applies to you. And it will apply to me and everybody on the face of this earth. 
This law, this key applies to everyone. Number two, there is life and power in the seed. There's life and power in the seed. Whether it is good or evil, there's power in that seed. And whatever you do, whatever you say, however you act, your behavior becomes seed. And there's power in that. And it will affect your life completely throughout your life. So, look at this. Even when we think the seed has no life, we're wrong. I can say anything I want, doesn't matter. Wrong. I can treat anybody the way I want to treat them, doesn't matter. Wrong. Because whatever you say, whatever you do, your behavior, your action will eventually be reaped back to you. There's power in your seed. And we have to understand that because it is a kingdom principle. It is a kingdom key. Now, I want to show you a picture here. The oldest mature seed that's grown into a viable plant was the Judean date palm seed that is 2,000 years old, recovered from excavations at Herod the Great's palace on Masada in Israel. It had been preserved in a container in a cool, dry place, and they found that seed. They germinated in 2005, and here is the plant that grew from a 2,000-year-old seed. Now, this is not uncommon because from the pyramids to other places, they've taken seeds that have been thousands of years old, and those seeds, although dry and old, still had life in them. And for some of us who are old and dry, there's still hope for us, okay? Okay. What I'm telling you is there's power in the seed. In 2009, a Turkish newspaper reported the claim that they found a 4,000-year-old lentil seed and they successfully germinated that seed when it was 4,000 years old. How many of you know God put power in the seed? And there's power in the seed today. Matter of fact, everybody here got here because of seed that was planted, right? I won't go any further, but I'm telling you, it is a principle on this earth. Here's the third thing. The seed must be sown and planted. The seed must be sown and planted. If we just hold on to the seed, if we just hold on to the talent, if we just hold on to the gift, we become like this unprofitable servant that the master was not pleased with. How many of you know we want to be pleasing to God? We want to honor God. We want to take what he has given us and do something with it. And everybody here can do that today. We're not here just to shout and jump and, and just to celebrate, although we love all of that. Let me tell you, this applies to your marriage. This is applying to your business. It applies to your interpersonal relationships. It applies to your communication, your happiness, your future. This is about every aspect of our life. Sometimes I'm not just looking for the great big miracle. I'm looking for a little miracle every day. I just want to have a good day. Can somebody say amen? Sometimes we're looking for the big bombastic. Sometimes we just need to live a peaceful, good, productive life every day. And so he's giving us keys about how that we operate in the kingdom. So the seed must be sown and planted. If we hold on to it, not good. Matthew 25, verse 26, his Lord answered and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I've not sown and gather where I've not scattered seed. Look at verse 30. And cast the worthless servant into outer darkness in that place for there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. It did not work out good for this guy, did it? 
did not work out good for this guy. Now, let me talk about you and, and me. Everybody here has a gift. Everybody here has a talent. Everybody has something that God can use, and you can multiply that. You, you can plant that. You can put it in the ground. You can invest that. What will happen? God will multiply that, and that's what happens. So the seed must be sown and planted. Number four, we reap what we sow. Say that with me. We reap what we sow. Many of us have sowed our wild oats, and we're praying for crop failure. And sometimes God gives us grace, and we don't give all the repercussions of that. But I'm going to tell you, even after you're saved, you can get repercussions from some of the things you've done in your past life. Doesn't mean there's not grace there, not forgiveness there. You're not saved. I'm just telling you, things begin to follow you what you sow. The Bible is specific. You reap what you sow. If I'm planting taters, I don't get beans. If I'm planting squash, I don't get watermelons. And for me to think that is a dumb moment. Well, what are you planting? I'm planting taters and I'm looking for beans. You know, in the natural, we look at people and think. But in the spiritual, same principle. Sometimes people think that they can be negative and critical and harsh. They, they think they can be untrustworthy. They, they can be disingenuous. And something else is going to come in their life. No, can't plate, plant taters and get beans. You and I, whatever we sow, that we shall also what? Reap. We're going to reap what we sow. So that's why we need to sow kindness and mercy and gentleness and love and trust and loyalty and faithfulness, friendship. There's so many things that we can sow that will in turn come back to us in multiples because what? We're going to reap what we sow. You say, well, well, Pastor, listen, not everybody's nice, and you just need to respond back to them in kind. Well, I understand that. Sometimes you want to bless somebody with a brick. But let me tell you, one brick out, you may harvest five back. <laughs> I don't know. But, but listen, th this is really true. So it takes some discipline. It takes some mental effort it takes a real move of the holy spirit in my life not to respond in my flesh because this is what paul said to the galatian church if i sow in the flesh i reap in the flesh but if i sow in the spirit i will reap from the spirit how many of you are, are glad that the holy spirit can give you good reaping good harvest of things that you've sown and it may be years ago and so we reap what we sow, so that's why we need to sow good things. Invest your time, your talent, your money, and let me tell you, God pays dividends. You say, what do you mean? God pays dividends. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. You must believe He is, and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him and serve Him. So God becomes your what? Rewarder. Not my thought, not my words. That's out of Hebrews. God becomes your rewarder. So whatever you sow, what happens? You reap that back. God pays you dividends. Here's number five. We reap more than we sow. We reap more than we sow. One seed of corn, now listen very carefully, one seed of corn will produce a corn stalk. Those corn stalks will produce anywhere from one to four ears of corn on one stalk. 
One ear of corn can have 800 seeds on that corn cob. Uh, how many of you have ever taken a corn cob and you cooked it and you put butter all over it and you salted it? Some of you are salivating right now. So one ear of corn uh, is so delicious with the butter and the salt, but all these little rows that go across and all the way around, those are those are seeds in the making. And each one of those corn cobs can have 800 seeds on one. So if you have three different ears of corn, you're looking at what, 2,400 seeds from the one seed you planted. So when you plant one seed, the law of the harvest, the law of sowing and reaping, is that you reap what you sow, but you reap more than what you sow. I mean, isn't that good? We reap more than what we sow because when we understand that, we realize that when we plant on good ground, you don't just get back what you planted, you get back more than what you planted. That's why in the parable of the sower, Jesus said if it falls on good ground, it returns 30, 60, and 100 fold. So we took one kernel, one seed of corn, and now we planted it, and we got 2,400 back. And in nature, sometimes it's more than that, sometimes less than that, but you get back more than what you sowed. Can I hear an amen? You, you see, this is a law of the kingdom. It is a key to the kingdom. And when we understand that, it helps us in our life, in our marriage, in our friendships. It helps us in our spiritual walk. Here's the, here's the sixth thing. Reaping comes after the sowing, but it's in a different season. Reaping comes at a different season. No one in their right mind goes out and plants a kernel of corn or seed of corn and go back tomorrow and expects a harvest. If you expect that, we need to counsel you. No one plants a garden today and goes back tomorrow for the tomatoes and the beans and the squash. What has to happen? There's got to be time. It takes time to sow. It takes time to germinate. It takes time to grow. It takes time to get to maturity. And it takes time to harvest. There's going to be a period of time in between the sowing and the reaping. And we live in a generation, listen very closely, we live in a generation where we want it and we want it now. We're microwave believers now. Don't crock pot me, zap me. I need it now, I want it now. And listen, if you have that mentality, then you're going to be frustrated because it takes time from the sowing to the harvest. Even the birth of Jesus, the Bible says, in the fullness of time, God sent his son, born of the virgin. What happened? The seed was planted, there was a nine-month gestation, and it takes time for that seed to come to maturity. And every one of you, every one of me, there was time from the planting of the seed until we were born because it just takes time. Now, for some people, it takes longer than others. I shared this morning the first service. I read an article that one of the fastest turnarounds of gestation was a possum, a certain kind of possum. So that, that, that female possum receives the seed. With just a few weeks, she has more possums. You know, you just can't have enough possums. I mean, the road is full of possums. 
You know, why did the chicken cross the road to show the possum it was possible, I guess? I don't know. So, so anyway, a few weeks, you have more possums. I don't know how many they have, two, three, four, five. In Oklahoma, Texas, we, we have a problem with feral pigs, wild hogs. Do you realize ever so often they have another litter? And it is 5, 6, 18. You see how fast that they multiply? So some things it's shorter, some things it's longer. An elephant takes, what, close to two years to have an elephant baby? And the possum can be over there mocking the elephant. Oh, yeah, that's right. You know? But the elephant has to say, listen, you're giving birth to possums. I'm giving birth to an elephant here. So sometimes when it's bigger, it takes longer. So don't get weary. Don't give up because there is a time factor here between when you sow and when you reap. That's what he said, 6-9, we read it. Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we will reap if we faint not or if we don't give up. So what you've sown, what you've invested, keep believing because there's a time period here. There's a time frame until it has to come about. It has to be manifest. In Luke chapter 6, verse 38, Jesus said, Give and it shall be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Shall men give to your bosom, for with the same measure that you meet, it shall be measured to you again. You know what he's saying? Whatever you invest, whatever you give, whatever you sow, what's going to happen is going to be measured back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Let me tell you what I do when I take out the trash. That's my job. Anybody else have the job of taking out the trash? So I go to the trash can, and uh, I, I grab the edge of the plastic bag, and I pick it up just a little bit, and I shake it. Does anybody else do that? Some of you don't take out the trash, I know. You, you got to be the shaker. So I shake the bag and it settles down. So then I take the cords and I pull them together and I tie a knot in and take it out uh, outside. Now, why do I do that? Because when I shake it a little bit, it settles. Now, here's the good news the Lord said, I'm going to pour you a blessing out. But it's not just going to be a blessing. He said, It's going to be pressed down. It's going to be shaken together. It's going to be running over. Now, here's the good thing about running over. Because you can only contain and use what you have if it runs over, it's wasted, unless you take it and you invest it somewhere else or you give it to somebody else. And you, listen, it's not just for you. How many of you know now it becomes your seed to reinvest? Now it becomes your seed to give. It, it becomes your seed to, to disperse across the water so the Lord can return it back to you multiple ways, right? So here he's saying that it's pressed down, shaken together, running over. And it's, it, listen, it's not just a little bit. It's good measure shaken down, pressed down, uh, you know, running over in your life. So what he's saying is God is going to honor his law. God is going to honor his word. So if we believe the word, then we can trust God, which is faith, to do what God said. Matter of fact, the Old Testament, this is not just a law or a principle of the new covenant. How many of you know this is a law for everything, every covenant from Adam and Eve? Let me tell you why. Old Testament, this is what the Lord said. He said, if you don't believe this, if you don't want to turn up your nose and say, oh yeah, that's right. 
He said, you can test me, you can prove me, and I will show you I can open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that you cannot contain. And you say, well, you're just talking about money. No, I'm talking about everything in life. I'm talking about your marriage. If you're going to be an old critical, negative person, guess what you're going to get reaping back to you? The same thing you're sowing. You're saying, oh, but pastor, that's what they're giving out. Well, change the dynamics. You start sowing some different seed. Start sowing something else. Change your word. Change your tongue. Change your life. Change your attitude. And let me tell you what will happen. If you will keep that up, you'll start harvesting something different than what you've been harvesting before. You say, well, that's hard. I know. In the flesh, it's hard. That's why you've got to get over in the spirit and have God help you because in the flesh, it's very hard to do. Because we want to bless people with a brick, and it is that fleshly nature that gets up into us and stirs us up. And I've been there, and you've been there, and sometimes I get there maybe more than you do, and I have to say, oh God, help me here. This is not the way to react. This is not the way to uh, sow this kind of seed. Let me sow a different kind of seed. And God said, if you will test me, if you will try me, I will prove to you this work. Now, let me tell you why I said that. This makes no earthly sense. It makes no earthly sense. How in the world can I make an investment in the kingdom of God and say I'm better off? No. If I gave $500 this morning, I'm $500 less. But if you'll wait for the harvest, if you'll wait for the seed to mature, if you'll wait for the time and the season, and if you don't faint, if you don't quit believing, let me tell you what will happen. That will come back in a harvest. You will reap what more than you've sown, and it's more than money. It is love. It's affection. Affection is friendship. It's everything. And so we have to be a people that understand kingdom principles and keys in our life to have happy, peaceful, productive lives. And this is what he's saying. How many of you remember Ruth in the Old Testament? Great story. She's a Moabitess or a lady from Moab. And Ruth is uh, there with her mother-in-law, Naomi, uh, Naomi's husband, her father-in-law, she married one of the sons. Another sister married another son. And the men die. Orpah goes back to her old ways, and Ruth stays with Naomi. They go back to Bethlehem, very agrarian society. They go back. Naomi tries to tell Ruth, I don't have anything to offer, but Ruth leaves and goes with her. You know, your people should be my people. Your God shall be my God. And where you're buried, I'll be buried. You know the story. So when they get back there, they have nothing. And there's a guy there by the name of Boaz. He is their kinsman redeemer. But he doesn't know them, and really they don't know him. And to eke out a living, Naomi's older, but Ruth goes out to the field. Now, this is the welfare system in those days. Listen closely. This is what God said. He said, when you're harvesting the field, don't cut the corners. Leave the corners. If you spill grain or food on the ground, do not pick it up. Because people who are in need, they will harvest the corners and they will pick up the grain or the food that's on the ground. It became the welfare system. Sometimes we need a little bit more of that. Come out and find what you need. And we won't send it to your mailbox. But anyway, that's uh, not a comment that probably needs to be said. But anyway. So Ruth becomes a gleaner. 
She goes out. She's trying to make a living just, just like uh, uh, any other gleaner. She, she needs to have something to eat. She needs to get enough for her mother-in-law, Naomi. She's a gleaner. But while she's out there gleaning the field, Boaz notices her. She, she's a young widow. I'm sure she's good-looking. And the spirit of hubba hubba goes all over Boaz. And he even tells his own harvesters, he says, hey, drop a little on the ground for her. Come on, let's help her out here. I mean, he's baiting her, right? And then he goes to her and says, listen, don't be a gleaner anymore. Become one of my harvesters. So now she's not just a gleaner, now she's a harvester. But when she marries Boaz, now she owns the field. You see, this is what God does, and he does it to me and you. You may say, well, I'm down here. Hey, hang on. Hold on. Whatever you sow, you will reap, and you will what? Reap more than you sow. So what happens? Ruth starts out with nothing. Now she becomes a gleaner. Now she becomes a harvester. Now she owns the field. That ought to make you happy. That's what God can do in your life. That's what he can do in my life. Because God can take you from here to there, and there is more than here. Because it's a kingdom principle if you have faith and you trust God. Well, I'm I'm about to preach myself happy. Know what you're doing, but I'm, I'm telling you, this is kingdom principle. There are keys to success. There are keys to the kingdom. We just have to enact them in our own life. You say, well, will they work for me? They'll work for anybody if you just trust God. It makes no difference if you're 6 or 96. The laws work for everybody. Well, what if I take a 10-year-old and drop him off a cliff? Same thing will happen if you drop a 106-year-old off the cliff. The law of gravity works for the 6-year-old and the 106-year-old. Don't do that, but I'm just trying to give you a point here. The same law works for everybody. That's why in the Spirit we have to understand The law of sowing and reaping, it's a key to the kingdom. So today, if you haven't really taken your talent, your life, and invested it in the kingdom of God in the right way, then you're going to live a subpar life because you have not really enacted the law of sowing and reaping. You've not really had this kingdom key turned in your life. You say, well, Pastor, I'm going through, through some hard times. Start it up. Enact it. Get the law working in your life. And if you do, God said, I'll honor that. If you don't think I will, test me and try me. Just try me. Why would God ever look at people like us and just say, try me? Try me. I'll tell you a funny story. My uncle, my uncle Kenneth. He worked in the oil field. Worked out on the oil rigs. Anybody ever worked on the oil rig? I mean, I have. That's why I, one of the ways I got through college, roughnecking out in the summer. I don't know if you've been on an oil rig in Oklahoma or Texas out in the summer. There are some pretty rough characters out there. I was one of them at one time. So my Uncle Kenneth got saved, filled with the Holy Ghost. One day he showed up at that old rig, and he was a different guy than when he left one day. And the guys began to notice it. And they said, Kenneth, what happened to you? He said, I got saved. And then one of the guys said, well, Kenneth, doesn't the Bible say if somebody slapped you on the cheek 
You ought to turn the other one. How many of you know the enemy? He knows what to do. He said, what, what would happen if I just slapped you upside the head right now? What would you do? My Uncle Kenneth gave the best answer I ever heard. He said, you'd have to try me. <laughs> but your life will be changed if you trust God. And God said, try me. Test me. See what I'll do. And I don't know about you, but I believe God. I've believed him for a long time. David believed God. And he said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor their seed begging bread. Because God's going to take care of his people. You know what I've believed? Whether you believe this or not, I've been in some very trying times in my life. Didn't know if I was going to make it. Huge issues in our family. But I just said, God, I believe you. I'm going to trust you that you're going to work this out. You know what? I can stand in front of you today at 25 years old and say, I can stand in front of you today and tell you that all these years, in spite of all the difficulties, the trials, the marriage, the relationships, the kids, the work, God is faithful to his word. The variable is never God. The variable is always you and I. Kingdom principles work. Kingdom keys work. The law of sowing and reaping works, and it works in every aspect of our life. We have to trust God with them. Bow your head with me. We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you are encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory, and hope changes everything.